Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. I'm so glad you tuned in this week. We've got a really wonderful message. One of the mysteries of life as a believer is that the scriptures describe the believer in Jesus Christ as having dual natures, an old nature that is diametrically opposed to the things of God, can never comprehend God, is that man is cut off from God, is desperately wicked, is unable to appreciate spiritual things. But then once we believed we have a new nature, and that new nature can rest in God, has fellowship with God. Really intense message, and you may want to listen to it more than once in order to to grasp all of the content that's in there. Please sit back and enjoy living in the eternal value system. The most beautiful thing the eternal value system does, it teaches us how to experience the provisions of the promises now. Not tomorrow. Now. That's a line I would remember the rest of my life. How to experience the provision of the promises now. There's a difference between faith obedience and faith experience. Faith obedience accepts the provision. Faith experience has the spirit of grace to implement it in rest now. I told this lady that was going through so much yesterday. I knew that this person couldn't receive anything because I just knew they couldn't. So I just listened at the end, identified and wept with him and gave him some encouraging words and one scripture. And that's all they needed was to be loved and to have me walk through the problem without resisting or reacting and really understanding, which I did with all my heart. But that's a Christian that has counseled people effectively that has upon many occasions given amazing counsel. Right on. And at times has had deep insight. At other times acknowledged their own weaknesses with real understanding to me alone. They've acknowledged how off they get because of certain things. But their problem all these years has been right side emotions. They go to work and they see all these problems and that temporal value system goes to work. They have all this theology over here. The emotions on the right side take over and they actually go through torment of all the things they have to face. And they go after Jesus and go after Jesus and love Jesus but don't experience Jesus. And Jesus never takes over the left brain. You have two kidneys and you have two emotions. You have two eyes and two ears and two feet and two arms and two legs. And you have two emotions that you call one. I would like to say you have potential for the good emotions to work or your bad emotions to destroy you. Now in the next few days, some of us will face little details of life. I hope not big ones. I'm not going to say that. And the first thing that will happen in that test is the right emotion will get all flustered, frustrated, disturbed, express its problems of the past in relationship to itself or the left emotion will be quiet 
and take on the eternal value system. Knowing that that situation works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight into the eternal value order of life. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen are eternal. And we know that these present things that happen are only for a moment, and they keep working on our side and our favor on the eternal value system. Every day of your life, no matter what you know, you either function in the temporal value system or the eternal value system. One of the two. No one can stay depressed in the eternal value system. You count it all joy. You don't look at yourself even if you failed. You don't look at others even if they've hurt you. You don't look at life even if it's been mean to you. You look at the things which aren't seen and accept your healing that you haven't experienced. The promises that haven't been implemented. The provision that's far from being experienced now. So this is what God does. Jeremiah 11.20 Jeremiah 17.10 Psalm 26, 2 and 3 God Send something into your life to show you which emotion is in control. Now, how many of you think of that before you think of anything else? Somebody hurt you terribly today and did something wrong to you. Instantly, one of the two sides would be revealed just like that. If the right side reacted, you'd cry. Perhaps you'd be in pain. You couldn't handle it. You'd shake. You'd want your best friend or two to hear you all afternoon and then again another telephone call tonight. You'd cry some more. And tomorrow you'd get up depressed and lonely and hurting. And you would feel that that is normal. And maybe your wife would say it's normal. Or your husband would say it's normal. But dear friends, it is not normal. It is not right. God... Had that happen for your sake. In 2 Corinthians 4.15, None of my enemies have ever done one single thing to me that God didn't allow them to do. Not one of them. It was for my sake. And it will work together for good. And in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it is of God. Here's what the Hebrew says. I will send first a test, then I will send a trial, then I will allow a temptation. Three different things. God tests my faith. People bring trials to my faith, not God. He only tests. And Satan tempts my faith. Testing is different from trials and trials from temptation. Even though they're relative, they are different. Now, you will be tested this week. No possible way out of it. You will be tested next week. The details of life will do it. If our minds are stayed upon God, truth 
cycles into the right side and takes over the left emotion. And the mind has God's frame of reference, God's viewpoint, and God's promise as a provision in the power of the Spirit. If you are not living in the eternal side because of fear, worry, insecurity, past problems, your right emotion will take over. It may do its very best to use doctrine, but it can't use doctrine because it can't think. All it can do is infect your thinking capacity with your feelings being supreme. By the way, that's why people molest, rape. Their feelings overpower reason. Their, their right reign wins out through their senses in an instinctive application complementing the emotional drive, which is on the right reign of the emotions. That's why drugs are so dangerous and alcohol, they completely activate the right emotion all the time. And so does immorality. So does anger. It always activates its source of life as in the right emotion. Fear of death is all right emotion. Because it has no vision. It has no faith. It has no response to truth. The right emotion doesn't respond to truth known. So it becomes frustrated with truth. So the Lord says, I will test your heart and your reins. That I may show you what you're like. In your makeup, biological and psychological structure. So this is what I'm practicing for years now. And it won a wonderful victory. Something happens. First, I listen to it. But the next place my eyes go by faith. In my heart. Upon Jesus. I've heard it. Now I go to Jesus. Jesus takes a doctrine and gets it working right in here, my right side, B and C. My left emotion says that doctrine is precious. I don't like what I heard. I've got to be accountable to deal with it. But, oh, my left emotion appreciates and responds to spiritual phenomena and eternal values. Right emotion can't get in at all. Somebody comes up and they hear what's happened to me and they identify with me and they want to fight and they find me calm and relaxed. Because he whose mind is stayed upon thee shall have perfect peace. Because his mind is stayed upon thee in Isaiah 26.3. He whose mind is stayed upon thee is divine viewpoint. It's God's grace frame of reference. We need to have our left brain quietly working in our behalf, being conscious of the Word and the life we have with Christ and of the faithfulness of His presence. When two people get married and they both live in the right reign, it's going to be miserable sooner or later. When children rebel at their parents through their right reign, it gets, where's the parents out? When past mistakes trouble you, it, it all accumulates in your right reign, an emotional backup, which leaves you sick physically.
I believe that some of them have to be taken and they're lawful and they're right for some people. I've always said this. I'll say it again today. But pharmaceutical drugs should be left alone as much as possible. Taken when you have to. Left alone as much as possible because they affect the right reign. And they alone can cause problems that you've never had in your past. They can cause a short circuit in the chemical uh, cycle of reaction that you've never had through genetics. Just like fear and hate and anger resident in the human soul can literally cause damage to the chemicals so that you have chemical problems that didn't derive from genetics but came through wrong thinking and negative vibrations controlling the chemicals of your soul, I mean your body. See, the many things that medicine and psychiatrists have never looked into that I know from, from the teaching of God, and I may not know the mechanics, nor the tactical aspects and the biological uh, relevancy in medical truth, but I do know the paramount problems that are associated from God's viewpoint with the situation. I would say that out of 100% that have chemical problems, up to 85% that are really chemical problems did not come from their genetics. But negative syndromes, negative cycles, fear, being molested, being raped, being abused, being attacked, failure, poor self-image, no spiritual dynamics, right rain reaction to life. And it leaves a person as damaged goods. But there is a bomb in Gilead. There is healing in his wings in Malachi 4.2. I will heal your bruises. I will heal your damaged goods. I will heal you with my love and with my presence and through my blood. I will heal you with my word. I will heal you with my compassion. Take the promises and let them be a provision today and the healing will start now. And it will be divine healing, even if it's through a human process. Sovereignty is always behind it, whatever the case may be. The left brain always relaxes in trials of faith and tests of faith. The left brain always has peace because it's only aware of spiritual phenomena in the eternal value system. The left brain doesn't cry for itself. The left brain cries for others. Because of compassion. The right brain cries for itself, all for others in sentimentality. If I could help you to live in the Word of God, in the cycling of truth, in your frame of reference, memory center, you would have fragrance of memory into your soul with divine viewpoint, and your left brain be the predominant brain in your emotions you would be absolutely astounded at what you would be like in three months. Communion, fellowship with Christ, exactly the things that should be brought to your memory that you need, 
and you're able to cast your burdens upon the Lord and He sustains you because He loves you. You're able to accept love when you fail miserably because you know that's how God does it. Your sin is not greater than His love. His love is greater than your sin. You're able to love others when they absolutely do not deserve it. And you're able to look them in the eye and mean it and forget what they've done against you and say, I love you. You may not be able to fellowship with them at all, but you may be able to say, I love you. What does it mean when it says there's healing in his wings? Well, I studied it out. And it means wings speak of resurrection life. It speaks of the law of the spirit of life that overcame the law of sin and death. It means that when I live in the principle of the risen life and the ascended life, there's always healing in that type of life. Always. Healing of some kind that starts now. Undisturbed peace in the midst of a terrible storm. Jesus is sleeping on the boat. The sad part of it is, is scores of people I counsel objectively from secular viewpoint, honestly from reality therapy, but not from God's viewpoint. I would call it moral counseling that isn't spiritually ethical. Moral counseling that isn't spiritually ethical. Now I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to close. Two statements. Statement number one. Through the years, it is difficult for me to administrate because I never see two people that do the same thing alike. And therefore... The table of organization has to practice uniformity in the standards of discipline. But God doesn't practice uniformity with the standards of discipline. Let me illustrate. Esau didn't do as many bad things as Jacob did, but he went to hell. David did many bad things and is going to be the prince of the millennial reign. Because God saw his heart to spite the things that he did. The hard thing for me in a table of organization, it's why I rather delegate it and let people do it, is I would never implement the same standard for the same sin or the same failure. And it wouldn't be a uniform discipline for the organization. It would produce confusion in the table's application. How many understand that? And that's the way God does it. You could say to me, how come you did that with her, you did differently with her, and you did this with him? There's no way I can make you understand. But it's what I know about the three people. And I know I can help her by giving her mercy... Help so-and-so by discipline them hard and help him by being neutral. It would not be uniform discipline. God does not look upon the outward appearance. 
but upon the heart. He may see a heart that's been banged and bruised up and hurt for years and now they failed and they hate their failure and they want so much to be helped. Do you think he's going to give them the normal discipline? No. But he may see a kid over here who's repeatedly rebelled and is stubborn and would like to hurt every good person there is. He gets the punishment wholesale. The left rein with integrity in the heart, appropriating, being built up in the word of faith, confessing the word of faith for our provision, spells out absolute victory because Christ is on board, resting with the finished work in your heart. You know, Psalm 132 says that David wouldn't go to sleep until Christ was resting in his heart. Do you know what that means? I accept the finished work as my rest, just like he does, so he's able to rest in his rest in my heart. It's like Zephaniah 3.17, when he rests in love. When that love is what I'm resting in, and that love of Calvary is what he's resting in, God has found a place to rest in me. And it's in my accepting him completely as my finished work person within my heart. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com Great little poem. Uh, Author, I'm really not sure of their identity. Two natures beat within my breast. The one is foul, the one is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. We have amazing capacity that God has given us. He's given us a will. When we become believers and he's made us into a new person, there are still remnants of this old person that haunt us. Uh, they're ghosts of who we were. And although the, the scriptures are very clear that God sees us as this new man, this is our identity in his kingdom. He's made us to be something different. We have not been in peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There are dark seasons of the soul that each one of us goes through. There are times when we don't make correct choices and we suffer the consequences. It says in First Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Philippians 3, 3, the B part. We are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. When we understand that God has made us to be a new man, and yet that old man, those old memories, those old emotions, that remnant, of things that happened to us before salvation and 
which affect us in our mind and our self-image, but they are not our identity. Our identity is is new and cannot sin. In Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In Colossians 3, starting in verse 9. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Because this physical body has not yet been redeemed like it will be in the future. This corruptible is not yet put on incorruptible. And we see it in the scriptures, these certain patterns that followed one generation after another that were strictly human, they were strictly physical in nature. And yet, God has made us eternal beings. And in this, in this eternal life, we have great rest. Our spiritual man rests in the things of God and is renewed, is renewed by the Spirit and by hearing objective truth. Faith comes by hearing. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. So maybe you have never put on Jesus Christ because you've never known him as your Savior. You're living as what the scriptures would call an old man. (laughs) When he died upon that cross, he died for you. He died for that old man. He died as that old man. Him without sin, yet he became sin, so that you could have a new life, so that anyone who would receive him and receive the free gift of salvation would have that new life. And then those old memories, those old lines begin to fade into the background of our lives. They become past tense. God gives us a new life, and we begin to make new memories. We operate in that which is eternal, not that which is temporal, which would fade away. But everything that we do can be filled with faith and can function out of a kingdom, an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. So, if you want this today, it can be yours. All you need to do is ask. All you need to do is believe. So, you pray a prayer, something like this, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died 2,000 years ago, Lord, for me, that I would have a new life, that these emotions that plague me would plague me no more, and you would come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are a believer, boy, you heard some great doctrine today about walking in the new man great truth that can preserve us, can save us time and pain and years in some cases of drifting out there, not functioning as who God has made us to be. Don't you want your years to be filled with faith? Don't you want your years to be filled with the glory of God? I know I do.